Here we go. Are you ready? Ready to take a ride. Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, I can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. Day begins, and it's a real honor to be here with you. My name is Shannon Davis here on Omega Man Radio, and um, we have with us a very special guest, Apostle Henry Groover. He is uh, in the States for limited time, and then he's headed back off for more missions for the Lord, but uh, he was able to come on today, and we're excited to have him. Brother Henry, welcome back to the show. How are you doing, sir? Well, I'm doing fine, thank you. It's good to be back in the States. Uh, Good to be home again, too. I am um, really excited to hear some of your new testimonies and a little bit of training today. Uh, at this time, I'm going to give the mic to you. Would you like to open it up, Brother Groover, with prayer today before you start? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Father in heaven, how, how do we thank you enough for Jesus? How do we thank you enough for what you have done and paying the price that we might have redemption? that we might be forgiven of our sins, that we might be gifted with the love that you have. What awesome love that you would give your only begotten Son, that whoever would just believe in you would not perish but have life everlasting. Oh, Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the precious blood that he shed on the cross that we might have life and freedom from all fear, sickness, all worries, doubts, and that our every need might be supplied according to the riches that he has purchased. Oh, thank you, Father. We love you, we love you, we love you, we love your Son, and our hearts are just filled with gratitude and thanksgiving. In this season, Lord, of realizing what we're coming up to and what all's taking place. Lord, we just rejoice in you because we read the last page. We read the last pages. We read, we know where exactly it all is going to wind up. We know exactly how it's going to turn out. And we know we're on the victor's side. We're not the victim's side. We're on the victor's side. And we praise you for that. For you do always, you always cause us to triumph over our enemies if we will just keep our eyes on you and enter the battleground by faith with our armor on, Lord, you do always cause us to conquer. 
And your word is so clear that nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt us. Oh, what an awesome God. What an awesome God. What an awesome God. We're living in a time, Lord, that we need these kind of promises more than ever. We need these kind of promises, Lord, of, of your preciousness and of your, your promise, Lord, that there's nothing to fear. Nothing to fear, and we praise you for that. So, Father, we just ask that in this this time, this brief little window of time, Lord Jesus, that you will watch over us and over this program and everywhere it goes and every listening ear. Father, if there's any that are hurting, any that are crying out right now, battling depression, worry, or fear about the way that things are going in this old world, precious Lord, I pray that by the end of this time, Lord, that their hearts will be set free, their lips will be praising you, their tongues will be singing of your goodness and of your faithfulness. And that that old depression, Lord, because we know so many during the time of Christmas season go into depression. And this is not what you died for. This is not what you were born for. The angels of heaven were rejoicing when you, when you came forth. And so, Lamb of God, we just commit to you our time and this fellowship, Lord, on this over the radio, over the computer, or however they're listening. We just ask that you bless this time abundantly, Lord, and that every word and every expression will bring honor and glory to your holy name. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, how are you doing, Brother Davis? Brother Groover, I tell you, I'm encouraged. And... um... I tell you, you, you encourage me with uh, the work you're doing for the Lord in these last days. You know what it means to redeem the time, and you're staying busy for the Lord Jesus. So I tell you, you're a great inspiration not only to me, but to many others. And um, we're just excited to have you on today. And again, welcome everybody. We're live with Apostle Henry Groover. His website is henrygroover.com. Brother Groover, with that, I'm going to throw you the mic. Welcome back. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Brother Davis. I appreciate it very much. And, uh, oh, boy, I, uh, what a year. What a year this has been, 2015. Uh, so many things. Yes, tests and trials. We all have tests and trials, you know, but that is not the issue. That is not the issue. As I was telling someone on the phone this morning, I was counseling and praying with, uh, hey, listen, I used to look forward to tests. I used to look forward to tests. And this person said, well, I don't, I don't want tests. I don't like tests. I said, then you don't, you don't want to know where you are. You only know where you are in your studies and your application and what you're majoring in is if, if you have tests. You only know if you're learning, if you have tests. And that's why the scripture is so clear, you know, don't in First Peter, he says, don't, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial or the testing which is to test you or try you. Well, rejoice, rejoice. Uh, yes, I've had some severe tests since I was with you people last, but uh, each of those tests, when I kept my eyes on the Lord and put my trust in him, now wait a minute. 
what did what did you just say? You keep your eyes on the Lord. You put your trust in Him. Think about that for a minute. Here's a test, okay? Let me let me test you. Let me ask you a question. How do you know if you're trusting the Lord? People say to me all the time, with their head down, their hands hanging down, they're drooped down in in heaviness, and they say, "Well, I'm I'm trusting God." And I look at them, and I smile, and sometimes I even laugh, and they don't like it when I laugh, and I say, I'm sorry, I don't believe you. And then they really look surprised. Some of them want to walk away. They don't like to hear that. And I say, well, do you know what the fruit of trusting is? Well, yeah, we're we're enduring. I'm enduring. And I say, I know, I know. And that's scriptural, too, to endure hardness as a good soldier, but when you trust in the Lord, when you fully trust in the Lord, the Word of God is so clear, let all of them who put their trust in the Lord rejoice. That's how you know if you're trusting the Lord. I was just uh, just two and a half weeks ago, I was climbing a mountain in Japan with a group of young people. And, uh, hey, they're half my age and some of them less than half, you know, (laughs) some of them a third my age. And we're going up this mountain, up, 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 up. I mean, these these temples and shrines are on top of the mountains, and uh, they go to the top of the mountains to worship. And as the Old Testament talks about the, the grove of trees, they put their idols and their gods along the way up, up those altars all the way up the mountains, and, uh, they put their idols there, and people bow down to them and all. And I, I pointed it out to these young people. I said, you see, we're praying over these idols and these altars all the way up this mountain, all right? Now, people that are in idolatry, and I've seen 80, 80 people in their 80s, Utahs and Neros, with, with a load on their back, carrying a load up, and we're not even carrying a load. We're just carrying a little sack that might be our lunch when we get to the top. But uh, they go and they stop at these altars and they worship their gods and they keep going. And so I said, you see, they're gaining courage and they're gaining strength by stopping at those altars. They're kind of like recharging cells to them. So I said, you see, Satan also has something here to remind them to worship. And so how do we know we're worshiping the Lord? Well, we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And we come into the Holy of Holies with worship. So it's a, it's a three different levels. Well, when you're climbing, I know, I know we, we've sang this song, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of our God. Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of our God. And what is it? He will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. Hallelujah. So the scripture says, let all of them, how much is all? You hear me say this all the time. How much is all? Let all of them who put their trust in the Lord rejoice. Rejoice. That's the way you know if you're trusting the Lord. You have a rejoicing heart. 
you rejoice. And so I was teaching those young people about this. And so what what is rejoicing? It it is entering into joy, isn't it? It's rejoicing. Renewing your joy singing. I like it that way. That's my own personal interpretation, but rejoicing is re entering joy singing. And so find a song, find a good song, and rejoice. You know, in this season, which we're coming into very quickly, in this season, we are heading for the remembrance of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I I know people argue, no, 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 it wasn't this time of year. And I say to them, how do you know that? And they say, well, because the shepherds were in their fields tending their, their flocks. And I say, oh, interesting, interesting. Well, you know, Arizona, down around Phoenix, Arizona, is the same parallel around the earth as the area of Bethlehem. And guess what time of year the Spaniards always had their sheep out in the alfalfa fields and out in the fields grazing around Phoenix as I grew up? November, December. Generally by the first, uh, the middle of November or the first of December, they are out there with their sheep. And at the end of December, they disappear. January, they take them back up further, begin heading back up north. They follow the rains and they follow the grass. So you see, to me, it just simply explains and, and, and verifies that it was December. So I don't want to argue about it. The most important thing to remember about this, the most important thing to remember is it happened. Not when it happened, but that it happened. Amen? That he did. He came and he he brought forth the Father, brought forth a Son through the Holy Spirit, through Mary. And it happened. Hallelujah. That's the most important thing, that Jesus was born of a little babe, lying in a manger in the most humble humble atmosphere. The manger is what you put straw in and feed the animals from. (laughs) And here's the creator of all the universe laying in the very place where you feed the animals. They all have to come up to bow to eat, don't they? But Jesus is laying in that manger. No crib for his bed. I love that song. You know, I, I as I said, I just came from Japan. And you know, they're, they're still predominantly a Buddhist nation. But you know, in every mall, in every store, in every restaurant I've been to, I've just been across from Hokkaido all the way down to Kyushu. And uh, in the restaurants and in the stores and the malls, there's malls in the terminals, the airline terminals and the port terminals. Guess what kind of music they're playing? The old Christmas song, Silent Night, O Little Town of Bethlehem. People were finding that hard to find in America now. 
we have all this other kind of music, and they're afraid to use the word Christmas or Christ child. And that's so sad. We need to keep praying for our nation. We're in trouble. We desperately need to pray. Harder than we ever have before. So, in the midst of this, we also do what, what uh, Timothy says. First of all, First Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 3, first of all, what? Supplications, prayers, intercessions, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, be made for all, oops, wait a minute, there's that little three-letter word again, all men or women that are in authority. Hmm, with thanksgiving. It starts with kings all the way down. And so when I pray for our nation, I pray for our president and Michelle, his wife, and their daughters, and every person appointed in the office and elected in the office, every one of our military commanders and those under them, everyone in our law enforcement, everyone under them, every judge and everyone under them, uh, all the way down to the security guards, every university, every president of it, and all the way down the board of directors, our educational system, health, education, welfare, all of these. We pray for them and we thank God that we have America, a land where if people are injured or they're hurt, there is social help, there is welfare, there is help that they can receive. I know that we're hurting right now, but we still have all of this, people. We still have it. So we have a lot to be thankful for. And so in our, in our daily living, we need to... Here, here's a scripture I want you to get a hold of, okay? It's in Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah 54. Keep this in mind. I want to read up to the, the key verse that I want you to hold on to. But look at these words. Isaiah is talking to the people today. I just, I just had a, a letter from a person this morning whose neighbor's 13-year-old daughter committed suicide. Oh, Father. So many young people are committing suicide. Parents... Watch what you say around your children. Watch how you talk about the authorities and those over us and the, sea and the times that we're living in. Watch out how you converse because the young people are fragile. They can't handle it. They're under pressure in school. The whole social system of young people is not a good uh, system to build up the youth in strength and in power. Encourage them in the Lord. Encourage them in the Lord. At verse 11 of Isaiah 54 starts with this, a whole new paragraph. Oh, you afflicted and tossed with tempest and not comforted. Behold, I will lay your stones with fair colors, and I will lay your foundations with sapphires. Look at this. Isn't that an uplifting word? Just one verse right there. Look at all that he's saying. Behold, he's saying, look. I will lay your stones with colors, with fair colors, and lay your foundations with sapphires. And I will make your windows of agates and your gates of carbuncles. 
and all your borders shall be pleasant stones. Hallelujah. Pleasant stones. And all your children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. These are, you say, well, I, I, I'm sorry, but that verse 13 just lost me. My, there's no peace in my family. I, I have people say to me all the time, how do you do it? How did you do it with 13 children? And I only have two, and, and it's just total chaos in my house. Well, look what it says. And all your children shall be taught of the Lord. You must bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And when they get hurt or something, the first thing you do is don't grab for the Band-Aid or whatever, but you get a hold of them and pray over them and ask that the Lord take away the pain and there be no ill effect. And then they stop screaming and crying. And the children will raise up then and be strong and when there's an emergency or anything they will come to your rescue that's like my one daughter came to my rescue I was number four daughter people when I lay dead along that highway in that accident my head crushed they tried to do CPR and the blood just shot out of my face from the hole in my head and out of my mouth and they gave up and said, it's no use. If we could get his heart beating, he'd hemorrhage in a few minutes. Well, what came to my rescue? My wife was busy taking care of the little ones out on the other side of the van, putting them on a blanket, praying over them. She saw me get out, but she didn't see me fall down. I don't remember getting out. I was gone. It was just as one doctor said, it was simply the adrenaline in your muscles wanting to get your family out of that that tumbling, tossing, turning, crashing van. Well, who came to my rescue? Jesus said, cast your bread on the waters, and in not many days it will return. What is bread considered? It's called, it's, it's the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. And, and you, you, you teach your children, your children shall be taught of the Lord. And in not many days, see, it shall return. And what happens? When they gave up on me and my body lay there dead, she ran around to my wife, and then my wife was praying for her, and then she, when she relaxed, my wife let go of her. She ran back around that van, pointed at my dead body, and said, Devil, that's my, my daddy. You can't have him. Death, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And I came all the way back from the Milky Way, right into my body, into a body that was blind and blood pouring down my throat because they had plugged the hole in my head and went down into my sinuses and down into my throat. And I just first prayed, Lord, whatever is missing on me, wherever this blood is coming from, you can stop it, and it stopped flowing. My vision came back, and I told him I don't need an ambulance. I never went to the hospital. In a matter of six days, the hole in my head was, was no, the, the scab was no bigger than my little fingernail, which is a picture at the wedding of our number two daughter. And you can see it clearly. In six days, God had healed it up so much, and I had no ill effects. Well, that daughter we had raised up in the Lord, the, the little, the simplest thing of a skin knee or a little splinter or something, we immediately prayed first before we did anything else to restore peace. 
That's what it means. All your children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. Verse 14 of Isaiah 54. In righteousness you shall be established. That means in doing what is right, you will be established. And you shall be far, far from oppression. For you shall not fear. Fear causes anxiety. Anxiety causes depression. You shall be far from fear, far from oppression, and you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. What happened down in California a few days ago? The fear that has come across our nation as a result of that fear that it's going to happen and they, they caught someone else going to a big mall and and these kind of things, you know. You claim, I, every morning I claim the blood of Jesus over each of my family and each one near and far, and I claim Psalm 91, a thousand at your right hand, ten thousand at your left, and it will not come near you. You see what I'm saying? You must get a hold of these kind of scriptures. Psalms 37 Psalms 91, and this Isaiah 54. He says in verse 15, Behold, here's that next behold. Remember, you'll be far from oppression and fear, right? And you will not have terror. Verse 15, Behold, look, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for your sake. It means our government will find out if we're going to go shopping or something, the government will find out that there's a plot and it will be foiled before it can happen and you will be safe. He says, behold, there's that word. I love that. Each one of these, it says, it starts with that behold, behold. I have created the smith that blows the coals in the fire. The smith that blows the coals in the fire is the blacksmith. That's the people that make the guns and make the weapons and make the tools and that bringeth forth any instrument for his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. God has. Well, then why does he allow it? Testing, testing, one, two, three. Verse 17, new paragraph. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Wow. That is a powerful, powerful chapter of the Bible. That's just so wonderful. And so I, I just begin with that today just to, to trust and to pray that any terror, any fear that you may be struggling with today, give it back. Give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus. How do you do that? How can you successfully give that to Jesus? 
when there's so much going on all the time around you. I know, I know people ask me these questions all the time. However, here's how you do it. It's in 1 Peter chapter 5. You begin with humble yourselves in verse 6. 1 Peter 5 verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Think about that. If you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you in due time. It means there will be a time of testing, of endurance, but he will exalt that he may. See, it says that he may. I'm, I'm reading out of the King James translation that he may exalt you in due time. What, what does may mean? May I? Hmm? Can I or may I? May is, is, is something that is conditional, isn't it? May I? It's asking that he may exalt you in due time. Then verse 7, 1 Peter 5, verse 7, casting... Here's that little three-letter word again. All. How much is all? All your care upon him, for he careth for you. Oh, hallelujah. You see, as you truly cast all your care upon him, then you learn how much he cares for you. People come up to me all the time and say, I don't think God cares about me anymore. I don't think God loves me. Hmm. I say to them, I know why, and they look at me surprised and say, you do? Has God spoke to you about me? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Very definitely. He's told me that you've been collecting your cares. Cares become burdens. Burdens become heaviness and sorrow, fears and terror. Casting all, A-double-L, that little three-letter word that's so important again. Casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Hallelujah. Oh, bless your hearts, people. I'll give you a little example of something. That, yes, I, I go through tests. I go through interesting tests at times, and... Uh, I was in Taiwan back in uh, September and uh, having glorious meetings in Taipei and up north of Taipei. And uh, my next schedule was down in southern Taiwan. And uh, my scheduler said to me, uh, Henry, I think I'm going, to I'm going to cancel going down south. I, uh, I'm afraid for you. And I said, well, what are you afraid for me for? He says, well, they have a blight down there, a plague of mosquitoes that uh, when it bites people, they go into a high fever and, and hundreds have died. I think it's even thousands have died already of it. You, within two days, go into very high fever and people, um, children can even die on the third day or fourth day after this. And uh, there's so many that are in the hospital, and every day they're just going to the hospital, and it's terrible. And 
it's too dangerous for you to go down there. And I said to him, don't you dare cancel it. And he kind of looked at me surprised, and he says, well, I'm only trying to protect you. I said, I don't need protection. He says, well, but these mosquitoes. And I said to him, Brother George, I refuse to give my life for a stinking mosquito. I do not accept that. I refuse to die for a mosquito. Absolutely. The Word of God says He heals all my diseases, and in Isaiah 54, nothing, how much is nothing? Nothing shall by any means hurt you. And I said, besides, remember, I'm already dead, and my life is hid with God in Christ. And so if I go down there now, then I go by the will of God, and I go for his purpose and plan and for his glory. If I were to die from that, I would die for the will of God. I would die for the glory of God. What's wrong with that? And he just kind of said to me, you scare me when you talk like that. I say, well, I don't mean to scare you, but I want you to realize that I'm not afraid of a mosquito, of a serpent, a terrorist, a thief, or whoever, a plane crash, car crash, a ship sinking, train crash. All of these things are happening, but I'm not afraid of them because my life belongs to the Lord. Well, he said, then we're going to go ahead and go. And I says, well, you don't have to if you're afraid. No, he said, I'm your scheduler, and uh, I keep things in order. I'll go. I'll go. And so we went, and that first night, five churches came together into a meeting, and we had a tremendous meeting. And the next morning, they scheduled a bus, and... Uh, a busload of us, almost 50 of us, went up up the mountain, up into the First Nation people. They call them First Nation or Aborigines. They're the oldest tribe people historically in Taiwan. And uh, kind of like of our Native Americans here in America. We call them the First Nation. And uh, so uh, we're going up this mountain to a church, an Aboriginal church, First Nation church, and... Uh, all of a sudden, the bus pulls off to the side, and uh, the uh, pastor of the Aboriginal church who had come down for the meeting the night before says, uh, everybody out, I want to talk to you out here. And so we go out, and we look down, down through this valley, a beautiful valley winding down through the mountains, beautiful tropical country, and... Uh, he said, now, down through there, some of the choicest bananas and mangoes and papayas and pineapples and all of these things are, are growing, and this is a very fruitful valley. But it is one of the only valleys with the way it all empties down through here that if they build a dam, they can back up water. And so they want to build a dam, and that will obliterate all of these First Nation farms, and uh, we're distressed about it. And so I just took hold of it and said, well, brother, it's time to pray then. And so let's just lift our hands out across that valley and let's put this before the Lord. Let's see what the Lord will do with this. 
And so we lifted our hands, and I began praying and crying out to the Lord. Different remedies, different things to happen, more frequent rains so that they could gather water and wouldn't have to have a big reservoir. And uh, the two reasons, of course, was for water and for hydroelectric. And uh, so I'm crying out to the Lord, addressing those two issues for the Lord to give them alternate ways so that that beautiful fruitful valley will not be destroyed. And uh, before my eyes, now before I started to pray, there was no no thought of this or anything. I didn't see uh, one of these or anything, but a dragonfly in vision came before my eyes. Well, growing up in the desert country, dragonflies are very important because they dip down and eat the mosquito larvae as it hatches to come to the top of the water to fly away. And uh, so they destroy the mosquito. And so I see this dragonfly, and I cried out, and I said, And Father, send clouds, send millions and millions of dragonflies down south here to, to eat up these mosquitoes and destroy this plague. And as my interpreter starts to interpret it, he's shouting just like I am, the people start shouting. Well, I think they're shouting because they're in agreement and all, but then I realize my interpreter saying, look, look, Brother Henry, look, open your eyes. People, there was almost 50 people that witnessed this. Millions of dragonflies. Clouds of dragonflies were in the air on that mountain all around us. Dragonflies. And I said, let's command them to go south, east, and west, and literally cover the whole southern tip of Taiwan and destroy this plague. And we began doing that. And I'm telling you, the people, they were so excited when we got back into that bus. They were singing and worshiping the Lord as we went on up the mountain, winding around. We came to a place where a landslide had covered half of the road. So there was only one-way traffic, and uh, we ha we had to wait for our turn. And as we were sitting there on the bus, we were singing and praising the Lord. They were still pumped, I'm telling you. They were so excited, worshiping the Lord, saying, it's a miracle, it's a miracle. And uh, the, the construction workers shut off their equipment, and they're all looking at our bus and listening to us sing, and the Aborigine pastor jumped out and starts sharing with them what happened with the dragonflies. They're clapping their hands and rejoicing with us. Well, then it came time for us to go, and he come and jumped in the bus, and away we went, waving at them and them waving at us. And We left rejoicing behind with them and uh, went on rejoicing in the, up to the church, and of course then the people went in and were sharing with the people that were preparing lunch, and, and the church just just was just just uh, so full of joy. And they said, well, we've got a little over an hour before lunch will be ready. Uh, would you preach to us or teach us? And so I was up teaching prayer walking. And as I was teaching prayer walking, my interpreter was to the right of me. And uh, I had stepped around to the left of the podium and had stood there quite a while teaching on it. And I God thought about taking a drink of the water from the glass on the podium for me. And I reached just subconsciously almost over and just took the glass and 
went to drink, and when I looked into it, it was all full, just all the whole top was covered with gold flakes. And I turned it sideways and looked at it, and these gold flakes were settling down into the water. And I turned and looked over at the podium in my Bible, and it was all covered with gold flakes. Wow. <laughs> I couldn't even have read my Bible. There was so much gold flakes on it. And my interpreter had stopped interpreting. He's just looking at me. And he says to me, his eyes were big, he says, your face is covered with gold, your hair, your shoulders, and I look at my shoulders, and they're just gold. I look on the podium and all around the podium, and it's just covered with gold. And it was the most beautiful gold. It, um, it had, when you held it in the sun, it had almost a prismatic reflection. It, it was beautiful. It, uh, it was soft. I took some and uh, put it on my finger, put it in my mouth, and bit it like with my teeth. I could tell it was gold. It, it was pure gold. And uh, the people, when I was done ministering, come running up, and they were rubbing their hands in it, and some were gathering some of it, and uh, just pandemonium broke loose with rejoicing. And uh, so you see, in this scripture here, he says, I'll lay your, phone, your, your, your stones with fair colors and your foundations with sapphires. And... Uh, Remember, remember the testimony of the old rabbi in Bethlehem Park. That's right on Bethlehem Road, uh, the edge of Jerusalem at that time. Uh, Fourteen miles out that road would be Bethlehem. And uh, it's a time of year that Bethlehem becomes very precious to us. Bethlehem is now part of the West Bank and is in the hands of the Palestinians but people will be making their pilgrimage to Bethlehem now, coming soon. And, uh, but uh, what the old-timer said to me when I questioned him about gold, because back then in 1989, gold, to my knowledge, was the first time that gold began falling on God's people. And uh, the old... The old uh, rabbi from Nazareth who was sitting there beside me, I asked him about it because I didn't understand it. I didn't know if I accepted it. I didn't know. I've always been one that's cautious of any lying signs and wonders or whatever. I grew up with great evangelists and in their meetings as a child, and, and I saw many miraculous things, but I wasn't sure about gold falling because in those days, oil would be on hands and uh, signs would appear on people's bodies and things, but I'd never, never been when gold was falling. And uh, so in 1989, gold started falling on people. So I have to admit that I was a little critical and, and cautious of it. It hadn't happened to me yet then. And uh, so I was, I, I was curious about the old rabbi because uh, he he had said some things to me from the old ancient Hebrew, and so that made me ask the question. I said, uh, in our meetings, in Christian meetings in America, gold is beginning to fall on people. The dear old rabbi went into shock, and he kind of was stuttering. It's the first that he was stuttering, and, and he was saying, G -g 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 gold? I mean, you, you, you mean real gold was falling on the people? I says, yeah, it is. And and he says, oh, 
gold is falling on the Gentiles. Gold is falling on the Gentiles. And I said to him, wow, that, that must really mean something to you. And he looked at me and he said, oh, yes, oh, yes. He says, you see, in the ancient Hebrew, when the bride, bridegroom is ready to come and take his bride, before he comes to take her, he always sends her a gift of gold. He said it means the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. And he called his daughter and granddaughter over, which they were. she was swinging her daughter on the swing, and called her over, said, come quick, come, come. And he said, I have to get back to Nazareth to tell them the Messiah is coming. God is sending gold to the Gentiles. And that took away all criticism of any gold falling from me right immediately. I just, uh, I had to start doing a study of it and realize way back in Genesis that the gift of gold and jewels was given to the to Rebecca, Isaac's wife-to-be, and to her brother. And you go all the way through, and uh, the, to the scripture from Revelation chapter 3 says that, I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire that you may be rich, that the white raiment, that the shame of your nakedness does not appear and salve for your eyes so you can see. And so I, I began seeing these scriptures and uh, I began seeing in the last part of, uh, in the last part of the Old Testament in Malachi chapter 3, I found a scripture that I thought, wow, this is powerful. And uh, let me read it to you here. I didn't plan on talking about this, but there must be somebody out there that's troubled about this. But look at Malachi chapter 3. He says, I'll put my glasses on. I need reading glasses once in a while. I've picked, uh, used my Bible. It's very fine print. He says, uh, verse 16, Malachi chapter 3, verse 16, Then they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. There's another powerful verse, people, in the day that we're living in. Fear the Lord speaking often one to another, encouraging words of faith, okay? And verse 17 says, And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son that serves him. Then you will return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serves God and him that serves him not. Hallelujah. So this is a season and this is a time, people, that we desperately need to give to the Lord our time, our energies, our dedication, and our commitment. And we desperately need to begin to walk with the Lord more and more. And you know me, I, pray, I teach prayer walking, and uh, prayer walking is the key of my life. 
And uh, if you just take the concordance in your Bible and look up the scriptures, there's probably uh, three-fourths of a page of, of your concordance that is just simply over about the word walk. And if you remember, Abraham was told to walk before the Lord and be perfect in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. And uh, Deuteronomy 5.33, walk in the Lord and in the ways of the Lord. In chapter 13, verse 4, Deuteronomy, walk after the Lord. Psalms 84, verse 11, I will withhold no good from them that walk uprightly. Isaiah 2 and 3, walk in his paths. That means to learn sensitivity to the voice of God and follow where he leads you. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 5, Come, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Isaiah 30, verse 21, You will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. You see, that's just a few verses from the Bible about prayer walking. And I don't know if you need to stop for a break here, Brother Davis. I, I don't want to... Brother, uh, on and on and on. Brother Henry, <laughs> listen, I could listen to you for 24 hours straight. Oh, I don't know if I could talk 24 hours straight. <laughs> if you... I ministered the other night in Omaha for three and a half hours, and I want to tell you, I was tired. <laughs> of course, I had just come back from overseas, and I wasn't over jet lag yet, and I was still falling asleep heavily, falling asleep at 2.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> trying to get my days and nights straightened out after being gone three months, your body, the memory of your body really gets heavily instilled when you're gone that long, and it's 12, 14-hour difference. <laughs> Let me just say something here for <laughs> those joining us. We are live <laughs> with the prayer walker, Apostle Henry Groover. And I'll tell you, I am so enjoying this tonight. Brother Henry, we have plenty of time, uh, but I do want to be... Um, Consider it to you. Do you need a bathroom break or a chance to get something to drink? Yeah, I'll take five, okay? Okay. Take, take five, Brother Henry. Maybe, maybe our listeners need to take five. <laughs> take five, and we'll resume in five minutes. Okay, thank you. Praise the Lord, everybody. Uh, if you're just joining us, what an honor to bring Apostle Henry Groover on the program today. I'll tell you, he is a true man of God. And uh, I consider him to be the Indiana Jones of the Christian world because he gets to uh, see some really amazing things. Uh, every trip that he takes is an adventure for the Lord. But he's on business, believe me, business from God. God has a mission every place that he goes. Um, prayer walking, cleansing the land, remitting the sins, breaking curses. Uh, if this is your first time listening to Brother Henry... I want to encourage you to check out the archives. Also, there's uh, some really awesome uh, speaking on YouTube as well. And uh, I tell you, I can listen to him all day because it's just pure wisdom pouring out. You know, a man who has been walking for the Lord for over 50 years, listening to the voice of the Lord, obeying the voice of God, and seeing results when he does that. Um, He'll soon be going back over to Asia. I believe Okinawa will be next on his destination trip. And every place that he goes, he's on assignment from the Lord to go into places that few have been able to get into or would want to go into. He's going into places of heavy-duty darkness 
where terrible things have been committed. Uh, groves, caves where sacrifice has been done. Uh, islands where if you were to have stepped on it, uh, you could have been killed by the two-step two adder. But God had them go over there because there was something that needed to be revealed and uncovered. In that particular case, there was a fort up on the top of this mountain where the samurais lived, and they were committing abominable acts, and uh, it brought a curse on that whole island, and nobody could even step foot on it without fear of death. But God wanted to cleanse that land and take the land back from the enemy. And so he obeyed the Lord and went up there and uh, cleared the land. God will show him visions, and he'll be able to hear things in the spirit of what has uh, occurred in particular areas of the world. So um, he can get to the root of the issue and deal with the, um, the sin that has been committed, remitting that sin, cleansing the land, standing in the gap, breaking those curses in the mighty name of Jesus, and taking back the land for Jesus. So I'll tell you, it is a, it's an honor to have him on here. And it's just a thrill because I learn something new every time. And um, again, if you're here for the first time, welcome aboard. We're doing broadcast now on this uh, network every day, Monday through Friday. If you miss these programs live, I want to encourage you to uh, check back into the archives and pick up a copy and tell your friends about these programs. Uh, we're a full gospel radio network. Uh, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, evangelism, spiritual warfare, deliverance, healing ministry, uh, prophetic moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'm excited every time I wake up and we begin to do these shows because of what the Lord is going to, to bring to us today to feed, feed us, give us our daily bread. So with that, again, welcome aboard. Not too late to invite your friends in. Um, Brother Henry comes on the program every opportunity he can. Most of the time he's across the world on mission from the Lord. But when he comes back, he always makes time for Mega Man Radio. And I love and appreciate him. And uh, it's just an honor to bring him on. Brother Henry, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you very much, brother. Thank you. Thank you for that break. I just needed to run downstairs and make sure everything's okay and uh, get back up. <laughs> Praise the Lord, and welcome back. And at this time, I'm going to give the microphone back to you. Well, thank you. Hallelujah. People, uh, one of the things that, uh, that is, the, is the greatest burden on my heart in every nation I go to, is uh, cleansing the land because uh, uh, how does the land get defiled? You know, that's the question. How, how did, uh, what happened on that land? I'd like to know the history of that land where all that killing of 14 people and injuring many people took place last week there in California. If you and I knew the history of that land, you would find that there has been bloodshed on that land historically. Every X-rated uh, nude dancing place on that land, if you, the Lord has given me many visions through the years. I could name visions that I have had. Yes, God gives visions, believe it or not. <laughs> you may not believe it, you may not want to accept it, but I want to tell you something. To be fully equipped in the Lord as a prayer walker, as a warrior, as a, 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 an effective reconciler, okay? An effective reconciler in the Lord, in ministry. You must know the Lord well enough to have visions. 
you must know the Lord well enough to have words of knowledge given to you. Because what happens then, that's the beauty of, to me of the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, the gifts of the Spirit are not just given for people to get together in a prayer meeting and just talk in tongues. This is one of the reasons there's been so much resistance against talking in tongues and people saying it's of the devil and everything because people just get together in a, a big group and they just pray out loud in tongues. And nobody who, people who are not filled with the Spirit and do not understand it uh, are critical of it, and I understand that. I understand that, because even Paul wrote it in Corinthians. If you, He says, I'd rather say three words, so to speak, in English or in an understandable tongue than 10,000 words in tongues in the congregation. But, but in the Spirit, you have to be sensitive, even as I read to you there out of Isaiah a while ago, that it shall come to pass that you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. And uh, it, uh, well, if if I could take the liberty to go back with you all the way to Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, and the words that God spoke to Adam... The curse on earth and on you as you eat of it in sorrow all the days of your life. That's Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, part B. The curse on earth, on you as you eat of it, the earth, what food comes out of the land, in sorrow, you eat of it in sorrow all the days of your life. Wow. John 16, verse 6, Jesus is telling his disciples that he's leaving. He's got to go away. And he says to them, sorrow has filled your hearts. But he said, because I go away, up to this time, it looked like Jesus would reign as king. They really thought that, that he was going to go up and just kick Herod off the throne and become king because they had witnessed such close fellowship with God, with Jesus, and heaven come down, and they couldn't understand how anything else could ever be any different. And then the Lord gives us his prayer. What was his prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Well, Jesus was doing all that so beautifully, wasn't he? And they were thoroughly enjoying it, and they had no desire whatsoever for him all of a sudden to leave now. He's supposed to get up and rule as king, and they're going to rule with him. And uh, then he was giving them commandment now. What they had to do was just keep walking with him. And they couldn't understand, why do you have to go away? But Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 7, But I must go, or the Comforter will not come. Here's his own emphasis on the Comforter. The Comforter, he will guide you into all truth. In John 16, verse 4, he says, These things I've told you at the very beginning, because I was with you. 
Well, we know what all Jesus did. My, my, my. There's so many things happened, and uh, I've been searching the scriptures and reading about this and seeing, seeing how that the Lord has determined that you and I now have an assignment to fulfill the Lord's prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us this day our sins as we forgive others' sins. There's your, there's your asking God to forgive others. And, it's, and your forgiveness is totally conditional upon you forgiving others. So you see, we cannot hold unforgiveness in our hearts against anybody. Anybody. I don't hold, I don't hold unforgiveness in my heart against... Uh, I don't hold unforgiveness against my... Uh, I'm sorry, my cell phone. I forgot to turn it off. I've got to... <laughs> Turn that off. Um, uh, my heart, I, I don't have unforgiveness against the parents of the young man or the young lady that did the shooting last week. I know the mother lived with them, and I know the father was close to them, and they're looking closely at them and all. They're still living, and there's still hope that they can find Jesus. But the sins that have been committed on that site of where that took place, as I said a while ago, if you could, if God could just open up the book and read to you the history of that very room where they were having the Christmas party, I guarantee you, historically, there was innocent blood shed there. How do you know that? Because when innocent blood flows into the ground... It defiles the land. It defiles the ground. We know that very clearly in Genesis chapter 4, verse 10, where God says to, to Cain, where is your brother? He says, well, how am I to know? Am I my brother's keeper? Ooh, that's, that's what we, some people call that a little white lie. It's evading the truth, see. It's not answering the question directly. Jesus, or the Father, just got right down to the truth of the matter then, and he said, Cain, your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. When innocent blood grows into the ground, it opens a place for Satan to come and to bring forth all manner of things, especially curses. And we know that right there is where Cain had a curse put upon him. And he said, it's too great. Everybody will seek to kill me that sees me. And the Lord said, well, then they will have to answer for that. But uh, in Revelation 6, verses 9 through 10, it says that their blood cries out from under the altar day and night. Shall I not avenge them, their blood, who cry out to me from under the altar day and night? So there is a cry that comes from the martyrs and those that die. There is a cry comes up into the ears of the Lord. He hears it. And uh, 
in Leviticus chapter 18, verses 24 through 28, it tells how the land is defiled. And it says it can be defiled not simply by, uh, uh, by just, not just, by someone being murdered or molested, but the land can also be defiled by people eating blood. And he says, if you violate and do these things, the land itself will spew you out. What are we in danger of in America right now? It isn't Obama's fault. It isn't our government's fault that, that we're losing more and more liberties. It's, it's the fault of God's people that are compromising. Now, you know that, and I know that, if we're in all honesty. Second Chronicles 7, verse 14 is one that we've all, if we've been in any kind of a church that has scripture quotings often at all, if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I'll answer from heaven. I'll forgive them of their sins and I will heal their land. And that, that scripture I quoted in the first segment there of First uh, Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, the third verse, after we, with intercessions, prayers, and supplications for all men in authority, after that, it says that you may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all fear and godliness before the Lord. Wow. So you see, living a quiet and a peaceable life before the Lord is conditional. It's not just simply because you you prayed a prayer and gave your heart to the Lord. There are conditions for leading a quiet and a peaceable life. I use the word that is used quite often in Psalms, Selah. <laughs> Pause. Calmly think about that that you may lead a quiet and a peaceable life. That demonstration that was taking place down in the main part of Chicago yesterday, why was that demonstration taking place? According to our Constitution, when there is a law broken or a violation, our Constitution gives us the right to a speedy trial a speedy hearing of justice. It was over a year before they made any ruling on it or comments. Now they want the mayor, chief of police, and all of them removed. They had a legal demonstration going on. I, I just saw it briefly. I don't think it turned violent to me. That is exactly, that is exactly the way you can do it. And they asked the Attorney General on this, this news program, is this legal, what they're doing? And the Attorney General said, absolutely. The American citizens have a right to voice and to gather if they feel that they have, they have been violated, they have been wronged. And so it went on down the streets, and the police, he said, the police are not there to stop them. The police are there to protect them and allow them to have a peaceful demonstration. That's the way to handle it. Burning 
burning cars, turning them over, and breaking store windows and going in and looting, that is totally the wrong way to do it. That is scripturally and, and of course, constitutionally and lawfully totally wrong. It tells you the people are of the wrong spirit. They're in to- totally of the wrong spirit, that you may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all fear and godliness before the Lord. And so you see, uh, in, in 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 7 through 11, uh, the people of Israel, they begin to raise up altars that people that worshipped at previously pagan altars again, and their sorrows take place. What happens? You read this. If you study the Old Testament, here's a good a good approach to studying uh, studying out of First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. Uh, look at every time the children of Israel went into sin. What happens? Here comes one of those seven or several of those seven nations raising up against them, raising up against them. Now, if you look at Second Chronicles chapter 20, you'll find that five nations came up against Jehoshaphat and the children there of the Lord. And uh, he asked why. Well, if you remember in verse 33, I think it is, it says, however, the high places were not yet come down, for the people had not prepared their hearts unto the God of their fathers. So the high places were these altars and these places where pagan people had practiced. And when that happens, when you do not remove the high places, that's what gives Satan license to go in and to begin to inhabit. And so high places have begun to be put up back up again in America. And in Hosea chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, he goes on to talk about this, and he says, blood touches blood. And then Habakkuk chapter 2, the whole chapter is about violence and strife and building a city by the shedding of blood. And this is what happens when the people fall away from the Lord. And uh, so that Hosea chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, blood touches blood. But verse 6, it says that the people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. What kind of knowledge? You have lost the knowledge of cleansing the land. I could take you to intersections all across the United States, from east coast to west coast to north to south, where I have walked with teams prayer walking. And one of the places I like to go with first-time prayer walkers is ask, do you have an intersection here where there are accidents every week and people injured and dying? Well, people always know about those intersections. So we go and we pray them, and I tell them, now after we walk and pray this today, there will be no more injuries and no more death. 
And they look at me like, oh, come on, Henry, who do you think you are? Well, you see, I know who I am. You know who you are. We are children of God. We are sons and daughters of the living God. And what Jesus purchased on the cross, he purchased for us. And Jesus saying, as I said earlier there in John 16, if I don't go away, the comforter will not come. Well, Jesus paid it all. People say this to me all the time. We don't have to do anything. Jesus already paid it all. There's nothing left to do. I know he paid it all, but he put it in the account for you and I. It's like it's a deposit in his name for us. It's our inheritance. It's part of our our livelihood. And so he wants us to draw from that. He wants us to utilize that. So how does this affect you? You've seen in the news, your local news, a drive-by shooting, a robbery. People died, innocent blood poured into the ground. You go to that place, go right there while the police ribbon's still up, and notice exactly where the ribbon is or go and see where the chalk marks are, where the, the, the victim fell. They always draw a chalk mark if it's out on a street or a sidewalk. They draw literally the position of the victim. They draw a chalk mark around that person so that in their investigation they can continue with the, the body of the person removed. And they know exactly how they fell and where they fell. So you have that information. Go there. And as I tell people, even with intersections, historically, that intersection was just a trail at one time, winding down through the valley or through the mountain or something. And robbers come along, and they kill and molest. And when these robbers killed and molest in the days when it was nothing but a trail through the country, it established a covenant with death. It established a covenant where Satan was allowed to come in and set up an operational center. We need to understand this. We need to realize this, or we'll never do anything about these things. And it will keep happening again and again and again. There's been much criticism how could the FBI know all these things now about this couple that did all the murdering and not do anything about it? They had made two or three trips into the Middle East. They Obviously, he married a girl from Pakistan. Pakistan is a violent country. And so what have we got? We should have been investigated. Well, when you get as many people coming into our country as are coming in now, which I'm thankful that the Senate, uh, the, the Congress has voted this in. I hope the president will sign it. But uh, about visas, if they've made in the last five years any trips to the Middle East, look at that, look it over carefully, and deny them. Why? Because of the chance of this. And so there's got to be accountability for our own protection? Well, because of the historical 
repeat of what's been taking place. So, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 1 through 5, that is a, a most powerful, powerful chapter. And uh, it talks about if a person be found in a field, a person be found in a field dead, then the, the leaders of the city are to go out and uh, we'll see it here in, uh, in, first, uh, in Deuteronomy, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 21. And it starts in verse 1 with, If one be found slain in the, in the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess it, lying in the field, and it be not known who hath slain him. Then your elders and your judges shall come forth, and they shall measure unto the cities which are round about him that is slain. In other words, which city is closest? And it shall be that the city which is next unto the slain man, even the elders of that city, shall take an heifer, which hath not been wrought with, or which hath not drawn the yoke. In other words, hasn't borne a calf, or hasn't been yoked to pull a plow yet. And uh, what shall they do? They shall take that heifer, they'll take that and strike off the heifer's neck there in that valley, and the priests, the sons of Levi, shall come near, for them the Lord your God hath chosen to minister unto him, and to bless in the name of the Lord. Now look at these words here in, in verse 5 of Deuteronomy 21. And by their word shall every controversy and every stroke be tried. By their word shall every controversy and every stroke be tried. First Peter 2 and 5 and chapter 17, verse 9. These verify this in the New Testament. And uh, John chapter 16. Why, he said... If the Comforter comes, what will he do? He will judge the world of righteousness, sin, and of judgment, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged already. So you see, the Holy Spirit is the one that is the voice for Jesus. His nature, he is a person. He will judge the world of righteousness, of sin, and of judgment because the prince of this world is judged already. And so he will give to us the information we need to fulfill the calling that we have for cleansing the land. In the Old Testament, as it says, they struck off the heifer's neck, and the blood of that heifer was for an atonement for that sin, that the blood guiltiness would be gone. And as it said there, by every word... And every controversy by their their uh, and by their word shall every controversy and every stroke be tried. And all the elders of that city that are next unto the slain man shall wash their hands over the heifer that is beheaded in the valley. And they shall answer and say, Our hands have not shed this blood, neither have our eyes seen it. Be merciful, O Lord, unto thy people Israel, 
whom you have redeemed, and lay not innocent blood upon thy people of Israel's charge, and the blood shall be forgiven them. So shall you put away the guilt of innocent blood from among you, when you shall do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. Now that's Old Testament, I know. But in the New Testament now we have the blood of Jesus. And when I go into when I go into a city and I pray an area where there has been much innocent blood shed, I not only pray <clears throat> I not only pray that uh, uh, the sprinkling of the blood, uh, you say, well, wait a minute, what, what's this sprinkling of the blood? Where do, you, where do you get that in the scriptures? Where, where do you justify that one? Well, in uh, 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter begins his writing with addressing, who's he addressing? The elect, according to the foreknowledge of God. Okay? You want to be one of the elect? Verse 2, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. To the strangers in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Those are Gentiles elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace be multiplied. Grace and peace be multiplied. So you see, the, through the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. And uh, Ephesians says, we were sometimes afar off, we are now made nigh or close by the blood of Jesus. And so we have the blood of Jesus here in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 28. It says, through faith, uh, I, or, or through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he, the firstborn, should touch them. And so the sprinkling of the blood is so important there. And he's using that. So he says, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, which the Egyptians essayed to do were drowned. And so we look unto Jesus, we're looking unto Jesus. In chapter 12, it talks about we're compassed with about it with a great cloud of witnesses. And it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, now this is very important, verse 3 here, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, 
lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Wow. Think about that. You've not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. You've forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, don't despise the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you're rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Think about these words. Think about these words. Now, it says here in chapter 10 of Hebrews, he talks about their sins and their iniquities. I will remember no more, verse 17. But verse 18 says, Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that it promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, and not forsaking the assembling together. So you see, there's, there's, there's much here, much here that talks about, talks about coming before the Lord. But I want to go back to, to cleansing the land here, cleansing the land. And I, I, I kind of went off on this when I was talking about praying over an intersection or a place where a murder has occurred. Go there. <clears throat> if a murder has occurred and a molestation, uh, rape or something like this, it's very important. It's very important. And the Lord taught me after years, after years of prayer walking, he's taught me off and on more and more detail of prayer walking. But... Uh, I asked him one time years ago why it seemed that I was not being as effective as I needed to be in, in, in remitting the sins and, and cleansing the land because things seemed to be reoccurring after that and it didn't seem to break it. And the Lord said to me, he said, because you're not applying the full sacrifice. And I said, well, I'm claiming your blood. He said, is that the full sacrifice? And I said, well, I always thought it was. For without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And he said, but is that all the sacrifice? And I had to kind of get a hold of him and find out, what are you saying to me? Finally, he said to me, trying to help me understand, did I only suffer in pouring my blood out? What about in the garden? What about in the judgment hall on the cross? And I thought, well, let me think, in the garden, oh my word. In the garden, he suffered so terribly mentally. 
he suffered so terribly that it, the scripture says he sweat great drops of blood from his brow. You talk about mental stress. That is horrible stress. Sweating great drops from his brow. And so you see what I'm saying. Uh, that he suffered in his mind, okay? So that's his mind. Then he suffered in his body. He suffered rejection. He suffered a betrayal kiss by Judas. He suffered being, being bound and taken captive for judgment. He suffered before his accusers who were accusing him falsely. He suffered their horrible, horrible abuse. Slapping him, pulling his beard out, spitting on him, blindfolding him, hitting him and saying, okay, prophet, who hit you? Come on, you're supposed to be able to see all things. Then they put the crown of thorns on him and they beat on that crown of thorns. Oh, Father, Father, I think about this. I took communion this morning, and I think about this. I like to take communion, if I can, about every day, because I like to think about what Jesus paid for me and my redemption, and the redemption of all of mankind, that even every Muslim right now might come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, because he loves them. I've been surrounded by them. I've been told they were going to kill me. And God has given me such a love for them when I ask him to forgive them before they cut loose to, to, to torture me or kill me. I ask the Lord to forgive them and pour his goodness upon them. That's John 20, verse 23, and Romans 3, verse 25, releasing the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Every one of us that are Christians were only became Christians by the goodness of God. If you became a Christian by feeling condemned, if you became a Christian by people preaching you into condemnation, I question how well you were saved. You see, in our salvation and the work of redemption, we need to really come to the place where we recognize, fully recognize, what Jesus did out of love for us, what the Father gave out of love for us. And when we realize how much he loves us, then we feel convicted and we want to be freed of the sin that offends and hurts our precious Lord. That's what it's all about. And so when I come to these places where there has been murders and molestations, I claim the blood of Jesus for the remission of sins, the body of Jesus for the body of them that were subjected to this horrible event, and the blood of Jesus for the remission of the sins of the ones that committed it, the body of Jesus for them who in their body, the ones committing the sin, 
are transgressing and have been violated. And I claim the mind of Jesus for the victim that sins against the mind and the blood of Jesus and the, and the mind of Jesus for the mind of those that have committed these acts. So you see you're covering every aspect, blood, body, mind, and spirit. The last thing Jesus gave up after he had groaned in the garden, he groaned. He groaned on the cross. He gave up his spirit. And he said, no man takes my life, but I lay it down. So he laid it down, but he groaned in his spirit. So spirit, soul, the blood of Jesus, spirit, soul, and body, body, mind, subconscious mind, those are all important facets. So I declare over that site the blood for the remission of sins, the body of Jesus for the body of them that were subjected to it and those that committed it, the mind of Jesus for those subjected and for those that did the, did the murder, and the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ for those that know spirit of the enemy will be allowed over that ground again, but that that ground will truly be freed up and covered and good things will begin to happen. Hallelujah. So that's what Deuteronomy 21 verses 1 through 5 are talking about. And Deuteronomy 21 verse 22 and 23 talks about if a person is hung if they're hung, their body is not to be left hanging on the cross overnight. But it says, the scripture says, but you shall take that one and bury them in the same day. And it also says there in uh, verses 22 and 23 of Deuteronomy 21, cursed is he that hangs upon the tree. So you see, Jesus was cursed he bore the curse for each of us that we might not have a curse or be cursed. Isn't that precious? That's the beauty of the Lord. And so, uh, that Hebrews 9, verse 22, I quoted to you a while ago, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Think about that. Um, in Isaiah 49, verse 2, he says, You've made my mouth as a sharp, two-edged sword. So you see, we have the authority and the power to go forth and to speak the words, the words of God from our hearts, to declare, to proclaim the remission of sins. You say, well, how far and where? What is my responsibility to this? Where should I do this and when? Luke 24, verse 47 says that remission of sins would be preached to the whole world. So you see, that's what we have. Well, you say, well, I'm not a minister. I'm not a preacher. I've never been called to minister. Well... Think about it. First Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, talks about 
You are a royal priesthood. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. Think about that. Think about that. Now, do you want to be a member of the priesthood of God? Do you want to be a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, a holy nation? That's, that's a good question to ask. You, you see, everybody is not a priest of God, right? They're not yet because they haven't fulfilled their responsibility before the Lord. There is indeed a qualification, as there is with every different facet of God moving in our lives. And so to qualify for the priesthood, you must read 1 Peter chapter 2 and start with verse 1, where it says, laying aside all, there's our lovely little three-letter word again, all malice, all guile, hypocrisies, envies, all evil speakings. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. To whom, he says, coming as unto a living stone, disallowed, uh, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. But he says in verse 2, that, that verse 5, that's not a new paragraph. You also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 9 but you are a royal, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So think about that. Now, there's another facet uh, there's another facet that you can qualify in. These are all areas that you don't have to be ordained. You don't have to be a graduate of a seminary. You don't have to at all. I just ministered at a theological seminary in Tokyo for three days. Uh, each year they had me go there to one in Tokyo and one in Osaka. And uh, I minister to the people that are getting their doctorates of theology, doctorates of divinity. And I'm very thankful for that. Very thankful for the, the opportunity to do that. I, I feel such an honor to be able to be invited to do that. But uh, how did I get into that? How was I invited to that? It was, it was a Presbyterian seminary. They're not normally known for spirit-filled, if you know what I mean. How did I get invited for that? I talked about it earlier. I, I was asked to pray. I was teaching 21 pastors 
in a in a minister's conference in Okinawa, Naha, Okinawa. And uh, uh, two men brought a, a brother up who had been sitting in the minister's conference and said, we're sorry to interrupt, but we've got to go. We've, we've got to get him to the airport. He's got to get to Osaka today for a meeting. And so, but he would like to know if you would just bless him and pray for him. And so I said, well, absolutely. And so I start praying for him. When I start praying for him, I get a word of knowledge. What is a word of knowledge? It's all of a sudden God just opens up that person's life to you. And I began speaking over him and literally called him by the name that his mother called him when he was a little boy and began telling him about the call on his life and the circumstances of his life. I knew nothing about this this man. I had never met him before in my life. But the Spirit of God knew all about him. And he went down on his knees just sobbing. And God was speaking into his life and encouraging him and helping him to understand the call on his life and and why God had dealt with him in different ways. And, uh, oh, I tell you, it was beautiful. Well, he stands up and he says, you, you, you must come to my seminary in August. And I said, I, no, I don't, I don't come to Osaka in August. It's too hot. Uh, Humidity is too high. And I'll come in in May or June or October, November. <laughs> and he said, no, you come in August. And then he explained he was president of a big theological seminary. And he said, I want you to teach those that are getting their doctorates in theology and divinity for four days before we give them their diplomas. And I said, oh, I will come. I will come. I've been doing that for seven years now. And uh, it's branched out to where I'm doing it in Osaka and in Okinawa. And there are two seminaries there. So anyhow, uh, to be an ambassador of the Lord. Let's let's talk about ambassadorship. Uh, You see, in your life, you say, well, I'm not a minister. I'm uh, uh, I'm not anything. I... I have no call of God on my life, and so why should I? Uh, why should I think that God is requiring anything like this of me? Well, I'm looking for the scripture here in Corinthians, where it says, "Seeing we have received mercy." Think about that. Seeing we have received mercy, we have this ministry. Hmm. Think about that. Have you received mercy? If you've received mercy, you have a ministry. What ministry? Sharing the mercy that God bestowed upon you. Do you see what I'm saying? When you realize that you have received mercy from God, then you have a testimony. That's all. He just wants you to share that testimony. And when you share that testimony in faithfulness before him, he blesses it, and you have a ministry, whether you realize it or not. 
and you are as or becoming as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, uh, in this past year now, just since uh, since June, have ministered to three very powerful Buddhist priests in Japan. One is the number one Buddhist priest of his uh, his type of Buddhism that comes out of Thailand, Bangkok in Thailand. A very powerful Buddhist movement. And the Lord told me that I had an appointment with him, so I went and I had to wait and I had to be patient because they said he doesn't see people. I told him right up front, I am a Christian and I have been walking now for 54 years, uh, 50 years and 54 nations, 53 years, 54 nations. And, uh, and I've learned much. And this dear man, being number one, he must have learned an awfully lot too. And I have things I would like to share with him, and I'm sure he could share things with me. So that's why I want to see him. And they said, well, he's in seclusion. He doesn't see anybody. And I said, you know what I said? Because Jesus told me I had an appointment with him. So I just told the lady at the office there, I just said, well, I have plenty of time. I can wait like I ignored that he's in seclusion. I knew what seclusion meant, but she, thinking probably I'm a foreigner, didn't didn't think I knew what she meant. But I knew what she meant. But I knew what I had from Jesus as an ambassador. I had an assignment. And so I said, I have plenty of time. So I just walked very back and forth there in the office, very quietly, just singing, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I walked and walked and walked, and finally she came out and she said, I'm sorry, you cannot see him. And I said, well, then I'll see number two priest. Oh, he's very busy. I said, well, I have plenty of time. And so I just walked away and started walking and singing again. After some time, she motions. I go up and she says, number two priest is very busy. He cannot see you. And I said, well, really, I wanted to see number one, but how about number three? Well, number three is very busy. Well, it's okay. I have plenty of time until he won't be so busy. (laughs) And so then I just kept walking quietly, just back and forth, waiting on the Lord. The Word of God says to wait on your ministry. Time is not of the essence. Obedience is. And so I just kept walking back and forth, softly singing, And then she said, well, I'm sorry, number three is very busy. He will not be able to see you today. And I said, well, it's okay. I really came to see number one. And I just went and said I had plenty of time. And I went back out and started walking and just singing softly again. I was walking and singing softly for about 45 minutes because I knew I had an appointment with this man. And so it took all that time walking and just softly singing when all of a sudden this person appears and says, you want to see me? I turn and look, and here's a man dressed in priestly garments. I said, yes. He says, I'm number one. I can give you 12 minutes. That's all. I said, I'll take it. Thank you very much. Went with him to his quarters. He asked what I do and what I'm doing and why I wanted to see him. 
And I complimented him, being number one, and said, I'm sure that there are things you could teach me, and there are things that I can encourage you by what I've experienced. And he said to me, tell me some of the things you've experienced. And I began to share my testimonies with him. People, an hour went by, and he asked more questions. Another half hour went by, he asked more questions. Finally, he said, would you like a tour of the temple? I said, I would love it. And so he pushed a button, someone came in, and he told him, clear the temple. I'm going to come in. They cleared the temple, number two, number three, Buddhist priests and all the people. And in we go, just he and I and my interpreter. And why do you want to go into a Buddhist temple, Henry? Because it's where the people go to worship. It's where they actually perform their worship. It's where they perform all their different rituals and and all their covenants and everything. I want to go right in the middle of it. I want to walk that land that has been chosen for that temple. There's prayer walking. And I want to remit the sins, and I want to claim Abraham's covenant. And that's what I'm doing, that every place the soles of your feet tread on, I will give it to you. And so we're walking, and I'm quietly remitting the sins. He takes me into places where only the priests go. He honored me. My interpreter, who had been a Buddhist, said, no one's normally allowed in this area. And he took us right in. And we went right into the holy areas and the inner sanctums of that massive Buddhist temple, explaining to us that this giant altar and all these gold things and all this was a, was a gift from Thailand, from the king of Thailand, and was given to this hymn as he had been faithful to that Buddhist movement. And then when we all finished and were done back out in the front of the temple, he said to me, would you pray for me and bless me? And I said, absolutely. Now I had been silently remitting his sins and asking the Lord to pour his love and his goodness upon him. And I said, absolutely. May I lay hands upon your head? Now the scripture says, don't lay hands suddenly on any man or anyone without the benefit of prayer, right? But I had been praying for 30, 40 minutes over him in that temple. So I didn't do it without the benefit of prayer. Definitely with the benefit of prayer. And I prayed over him and asked the Lord to pour his goodness upon him. Romans 2 Verse 4 is a code language. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. You remit their sins, and then you ask God to pour his goodness upon them. Romans three twenty-five and 26 says to declare the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Verse 26 says, and again I say to declare at this time the remission of sins that are past, hallelujah, that God may be the justifier. You see how it works? And that's, that's what it means, people, to be an ambassador. When I finished praying for him, there were tears in his eyes, and he said to me, come see me again. Hallelujah, I had pictures with him. 
He gave me a book of his life and pictures of actually the king of Thailand coming and presenting that massive, it was called one of the treasures, one of the treasures of Thailand, national treasures of Thailand, that big altar area and Buddha and everything. One of the national treasures of Thailand. So you see, God opens these kind of doors that no man can open. But you just have to learn to be sensitive and be patient to the Lord. And that's what this is talking about when it says that now then we are the ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Think about that, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Now then we are the ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians. Forgive me, I get mixed up here. Look what it says. Look at here. What did Jesus do first? He says here, we don't commend ourselves in verse 12. For we we don't commend ourselves unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf that you may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it's a God. Or whether we be sober, it's for, his, it's for your cause. For the love of Christ is what constrains us, because we judge this way. If one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not from now on live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So there's the ambassadorship. That's the requirement for an ambassador calling. Wherefore, from now on, we don't know any man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet we don't know him now anymore. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, and old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There's another qualification. And all, that lovely word again, that all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and have given to us the ministry of reconciliation. You and I have a ministry of reconciliation. To wit, in other words, for what purpose? That God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So see, he did it. Now he's giving us the assignment to do it because he paid the price. So now then, it says, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Another Buddhist priest that I've gone to now for three times, first time I went, he bowed his head and gave his heart to Jesus after we had talked to him for three hours. Gave his heart to Jesus. Well, that was the first trip. He didn't give his heart to Jesus, the first one, sorry. The second one, he gave his heart to Jesus. The first trip, we were sharing with him the gospel and the good things of God. Had a good three hours. I got that on videotape. And uh, 
he cried, and he asked it just like this priest, if I would bless him and pray over him. And I did. I prayed the same kind of prayer, that the goodness of God would just overshadow him in his life and his wife and his son and children. And then the next time we were called to go back, two years, five years later, I'm sorry, I hadn't been there for five years, he told me, here I met his son then, his son, again I met him, and he had gotten married, and they had a new little baby. And they asked me if I'd bless their baby. And then this priest, the head priest of that temple, said to me, after you were here last time, five years ago, I was taking a bath. They take a bath in these deep tubs of mineral water. And he said, all of a sudden, a spirit came and started pushing me underwater. And I was about drowned. I couldn't get up. And he said, I remembered your words about the power of Jesus. And he said, I cried out to Jesus, and that spirit left me, and I come back up, and my life was spared. So he called on Jesus, and he wanted to give his heart to Jesus. And I prayed over him and his wife and his son. And uh, we just were with him again this year and had another three hours, and he was building on a new temple because he wants that one to be one that is known for healing the people. And he wants to teach Jesus is the Savior and the healer. So God is doing an awesome change in the temples and in the, in, in the Buddhist religion in Japan. We're seeing miraculous change taking place, and it's tremendous. So... You have a little bit there uh, that we've given you of uh, since I've been with you on the air last time, and uh, I'll just Brother Henry, back to Shannon and see how we're doing. What an awesome, <laughs> <laughs> awesome uh, testimony and teaching today. We're live right now Hallelujah. with Apostle Henry Groover. My brother, I just want to tell you I love and appreciate you. Well, thank you, brother. I love you, too, and I love your people out there. Because, you know, every time you come on this program, you bless my soul. Uh, you, you bring a right now teaching. Um, I want to ask you a question before we continue. Mm -hmm. Brother Henry, how did you get to this level of knowledge and being able to rightly divide the word of truth? Because that's what I hear. You rightly divide the word of truth. Well... I guess the only the only real answer to that is every time I'm confronted by criticism or a question and I don't have the answer, I get down before the Lord with my Bible open and I say, Father, I don't I don't know the answer to this. I don't know the answer to my critics. Uh I I don't know the answer to this person's dilemma and their question because uh, no scripture came to my mind, and I know your word is a living book. Just help me. Help me to speak to me. And uh, when I do that, I go right back to when I was uh, 21 years old. When I was 21, working at Motorola in aerospace, uh, I had my little pocket Bible, and at break times and lunchtime I would read it, and it was a testimony to many workers there. 
And I came to a place where I really wanted to know and to hear God's voice accurately. And so one day I made a commitment to the Lord, and I never make a small one. I always make a big one. And this one, I said, Lord, I want to know that I know that I know that I hear your voice accurately. So from now on, when I feel like you're speaking something to me specifically that I know what it is, I'm going to ask you for six verses from the Bible, book, chapter, verse, anywhere from Genesis to Revelation. Bring it to my mind, and I'm going to carry a notepad and a pen, and uh, whatever scriptures come to my mind, I'm going to write them down, and I want six of them. And so I began doing that, and six book, chapter, verse would come to my mind in the beginning. I'd write them down, look them up then, and in the beginning, they didn't make sense. They, they didn't match what I felt God was speaking to me. And so I would wait, and I wouldn't do it. I, wouldn't, I didn't feel I had responsibility because I believe everything can be confirmed in the Word. And so little by little, I would get more and more of those six verses right on of what I felt God was speaking to me until after about two and a half years. Now, that's persistence, but that was because I genuinely, with everything within me, wanted to know that I know that I was hearing God's voice accurately. And within two and a half years, the Lord would speak six verses, book, chapter, verse, from Genesis to Revelation, and every one of those six verses would be right on what I felt he was speaking to me. And I feel that what that accomplished was is, I don't know if you've ever been around anybody or you've ever been a ham operator. I had my first class FCC license when I was 17 years old. Wow. <laughs> and uh, I, I learned on ham set, uh, when you transmit and when you receive, you put it back to your receiver, hundreds of, vo of, of, of voices come in and they're all different languages from all over the world. And you've got to train yourself to hear one voice from all of those voices. You've got to train to hone in on one voice and get their call letters and then send them a card that you heard from them. And there's, there's all kinds of voices speaking. Then when you get their call letters, then you set their frequency and you can talk directly to them, see, without all the other voices. And that's what provoked me to say, I think, six, six verses from the Bible to, to persist until I could hear accurately six verses as confirmation of what God was speaking to me. And I did that for almost three years. And it was a discipline, but it really helped me to tune to the voice of the Spirit. And from that day to this, I... I, if it's something that I feel God is speaking to me and uh, I don't get verses, I, I will go to the Bible and seek them out and seek, search out with my concordance and my strongs and look out the meaning of those words to be sure that I get the, the Hebrew, Greek, or Chaldean language of the Bible properly and the verse proper. And so I guess that's the only way to answer it. Brother Henry... Let me ask you this question. You've been studying the Word of God for over 50 years or more. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I believe the King James is the true word of God, but I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I read it and some verses I have a hard time understanding. And I know others do too, and some have went to other versions, but I fear by going to some of these modern versions that I'm not going to get the, the true word of God. Can you help us with any tips on what to do if we're reading? Uh, yeah, you... I heard uh, I heard one very famous version uh, translator uh, writer of if I named the the translation you'd all know it. But uh, I heard him in an interview once, and it really soured me on that translation. Not that I disrespect the man; I think the man was a real knowledgeable man and really trying to do the best he could with the translation. But uh, he, he made this comment. He said, one time I got to the place with this verse that I just, I could not get a way of rewriting it that, you know, they have to change it a little bit so that they can copyright it and not plagiarize or not be in danger of copyright. Wow. And he said, so my little four-year-old daughter was running around in the room playing over in the other side of the room, and I asked her to come over. And I said to her, I said, honey, uh, I'm going to read this to you. I want you to tell me what you think it says. And he said, I read it to her, and she said, well, Daddy, it means this. And so he said, I wrote that. Now, I'm sorry, but... What, what's wrong with the Holy Spirit that I've been talking about today? Amen. Guiding you into all truth, see? Yes. There it is, walking in the Spirit. And I realize a child can have wisdom. I, I, I don't deny that. My children, my goodness, and faith, they can have tremendous faith. But when it comes to interpreting and writing or rewriting any verse of the Bible... I I would I have great fear and trembling. Now I read the King James and I'll I'll take away automatically as I read it the these the thous and you know those and just make it you and and he or she and that. Uh, that's all I do in changing it. But uh, the King James, the reason I have clung so to the King James. In the 1980s, when I was walking England, I walked where it was translated. I was at the room where it was the translator translated it. I walked up on Offa's Dyke. Uh, Offa's Dyke was built in the ninth century of King Mercier of Offa. And um, he was the ruler of that region of Great Britain at that time in the ninth century. But... In the 1600s, when uh, the King James translation came out in 1611, a man, an evangelist, was preaching out of it, and the, the, the king at that time had put out an edict against the King James. You know, it was translated, and then it was persecuted, and they wanted to obliterate it. The next king come along, and uh, so they were chasing, the military police were chasing this uh, evangelist, and he ran up on where is now, was then Offa's dike, built in the 9th century, and there was a cabin up there along that dike, and the family were Christians that lived in that cabin. 
And they ushered him in, the evangelist, into their house, jeopardizing their life. And their 16-year-old son, rather than letting his dad put the cloak or the the coat-like covering of the evangelist over his dad, the 16-year-old boy grabbed the cloak of, of the evangelist and ran out the door, and they chased him, and they shot him, and he died. And he is, to this day, called Saint Alban, but really he was only 16 years old. But they re- recovered, they, they took from him his body, the King James translation. And uh, they buried him where he fell, and later his body was exhumed from there and taken to London where there's St. Alban's Episcopal Church. And his body is in a crypt in, that, uh, in St. Alban's. But I walked off his dike and came across the, the memorial stone of uh, explaining that he was the first martyr, he was the first to shed his blood for the King James translation. Amazing. And I tell you what, when I knelt down by that stone where his blood poured into the ground, remitting the sins of the innocent blood, it, it did a bonding in my heart with the King James that I can't let go of. Yes, sir. And I've, I've come across in thoroughly walking Great Britain many areas where there are memorial stones where there were many that were slaughtered for the King James translation. You know, I and, agree with uh, you. The, the Gutenberg Bible in Germany and over there, I've, I've come across memorials where those were slain for the Gutenberg translation and press. So those two, I, I can't read German, so I obviously don't cling to the, <laughs> the German <laughs> translation of that time, but uh, I cling to the King James. And I would agree with you, my brother. There's been no bloodshed for these other versions. If you're just jo- no. joining us, we're live right now with Apostle Henry Groover. Mm-hmm. Brother Groover, I want to be considerate of your time, and I'm thankful for all the time you've given us. But I have one more question for you. And before I ask you, would you like a a bathroom break or to get a glass of water? I wanted to (laughs) ask. I'll I'll go get another drink of water, okay? Get get a drink of water, and then when you come back, I wanted to ask you tonight if you could give us what would be a prayer walker's checklist. So let's say the Lord Mm. identifies a location. Let's say, for example, where they had the mass killing out here in California. And uh, what would a prayer walker need to do to complete that mission once God has identified the target area to prayer walk? When you come okay. back, uh, get, we'll a drink of, get a drink of water. Okay, I'll do it, and I'll be right back. <laughs> Friends out there, are you enjoying today's broadcast? It's a real special honor to have with us a great man of God, Henry Groover. Now, before we conclude here, I want to, uh, we're going to get the contact information for Brother Groover, and I want to encourage everybody to go to the website today, henrygroover.com. There's also Joyful Sound Ministries. And if you'd like to find out more about the ministry of Brother Henry Groover, prayer walking, you'd like to support this man of God because God has him going around the world on special missions. It does take resources to complete these. You can be a part of this and a part of a great ministry and support it. I want to encourage everybody to do that, not only in prayer, but financially support Brother Groover. He is on some really awesome 
missions that need to be completed. And um, he's on the road most of the year. When he does come back, it's only for a few days. And um, he makes time for Mega Man Radio, and I really appreciate that. I want to encourage you, though, out there tuning in to support his ministry. Praise the Lord. And later on this evening, we're going to try to have this up in the archive for you. If you're coming in late, uh, we started early today. We're doing our marathon, and this is a must-listen-to broadcast for, for yourself and everyone you know. We've got a good archive of uh, shows we've done with Brother Henry Groover over the past years. I want to encourage you to do a search on the name Henry Groover in the archive and also go back and get up to speed and listen to the previous ones. Each one is full of gold nuggets. You will not hear this teaching anywhere else. Brother Groover is the prayer walker. You're hard-pressed to, to find out information about this. That's why it's uh, such an honor to get him on so we can learn from this man of God. God taught him how to prayer walk. And he's continuing to this day to go into places where most people would never be able to get access, but God opens a door. He goes into these Holy of Holies locations. He gets divine appointments with, with, with people that God is trying to reach. And bring to Christ, and he is seeing one success after the next. I learned so much from these shows. It's amazing. Praise the Lord. We're going to be doing a marathon today. We'll be going till about, um, let's see, about 1 a.m. Eastern. We've got an eight-show marathon today. Yesterday we did two. And uh, tomorrow, praise the Lord. Henry Groover, welcome back. Um, I guess my final question tonight would be, could you give us what we could call maybe a prayer walker's checklist of the things that need to be done to complete the assignment uh, where God will send you to an area where there's been uh, murder, bloodshed, rape, pillage, uh, human sacrifices, witchcraft, you know, idolatry? What would, what would you want to make sure that you have done so that we don't leave something out to finish the job? Okay. Yeah, that is uh, that is very important. It goes right along with what we've been talking about today. Uh, first of all, first thing on the list, absolutely above anything else. First of all, start with asking the Lord to forgive you of any sins, known or unknown. Because don't go, don't ever go into an area like that with sin in your life. Don't do it. It's very dangerous. It can bring about all manner of, well, you know what the seven sons of Seva did when they said, we adjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, trying to do deliverance on a person. Those spirits were leashed, unleashed from that man, and he jumped on those seven young men, ripped their clothes off, and sent them away naked and screaming for their life. <laughs> so... That's right. Absolutely. Uh, that is first and foremost. Be sure that what you are using, the authority you are using, is because your vessel is clean and pure before the Lord. Next, uh, put on the armor before you go in there. Ephesians chapter 6. 
but on the whole armor, it says the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And remember, it says there that you are coming against spiritual wickedness of high places, principalities and powers, the ruler of darkness, the prince of this world. So realize the danger of that. Realize that you are walking into a major battleground. This is war. This is not just labor. This is war. You are declaring war on the enemy. You are going in to take back land that has been occupied by the enemy and has allowed the enemy to manifest in this way over that land. It's, it's that no matter where you go, okay? And then next, as you go in, remit the sins that have been committed as many generations back as needs be to the very first thought, word, deed, or gesture. In the name of Jesus, through the power of the shed blood, the body, the mind, and the spirit of the Lord, which we've talked about today, because those are all the attributes of what he paid for in his body for you and I to have that authority of what Romans chapter 8 is talking about, for we know that the whole creation is groaning and travailing, waiting for the adoption, waiting for the manifestation of the sons, the daughters of the living God, waiting for us to manifest the authority that he paid the price for us to have. All right? And then, after you've done that, declare over that land, pray over that land, and remit the sins of any of those that are family members of the deceased, of the injured, of those that had to witness that horrible ordeal, remit their sins and ask the Lord to pour his love and his goodness upon them, that out of this they will call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And to remit the sins of those, you can't pray for the dead ones, the two dead ones that did the murders, but you can remit their sins so that their sins do not have power to go to someone else to spread this thing. There are those that are celebrating now in ISIS and in terrorism. They're celebrating these 14 dead. 16 actually dead because the man and wife are dead. And so they're celebrating this. Remember John 8 and 44. Satan is a liar, a murderer, and a thief. He's the father of lies. So when he speaks, there is no truth in him. And so here's where we have to keep in mind who he is, his motive, and why he does these things. Because he's a liar, a murderer, and a thief. Okay? And then, when you finish pray in an area like that. Never, never fail to do what I'm going to say next. Never fail 
to join together in agreement, whoever goes with you. If someone has to leave early from your team and you're praying that area and they can't stay the whole time, stop what you're doing and pray over that person against counterattacks. That's very important because it is warfare. And you cannot go into warfare and come out of warfare being protected unless you have someone to watch out for you and to protect the area where you are getting R&R, rest and relaxation and restoring. So keep in mind what you're doing is warfare. That territory where those 14 people died and even where those people died were shot in that van. That's been on the news repeatedly. If you're down in that area and you know that area where it is, that highway's stained there with the oil and the blood and of the people and all, you could just pull off and, and, and just, I know you can't park and walk it because there's traffic, but you can at least put your foot out the door onto the pavement there and take authority over that wicked spirit that ruled them and bind that spirit off so that it cannot go to anyone else and manifest in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of his shed blood, body, mind, and spirit. Thereby you are reconciling. You are reconciling in that area. And that's tremendous power. You have the power to do that. And so as you do that, and of course, again, pray against any counterattacks. Uh, and when I pray against counterattacks, I, I, I claim the blood of Jesus. I claim the protection of the Lord over myself and our team and over my loved ones near and far and my brothers and sisters in Christ because we've learned that the hard way. So that would be the procedure. That would be the procedure. Brother Henry, when you go to a, uh, a piece of property, you're going there, and uh, correct, correct me uh, on any area here. I want to make sure my understanding is clear. We're going in there to confess the sins that have been committed and remit them, meaning to stand in the gap asking the Lord Jesus to forgive those sins. Mm-hmm. Um, where, though, do we declare the, the blood and so forth in the process? On the site, if you can. And what, what is on the On pro- the site. Okay, so on the checklist, where would that be? That would be when you go there and are actually, if you're allowed to actually go there and be there in that that very room or on those grounds. You may not be allowed to go into that very room now. I'm sure that room will probably be shut off and uh, they might even destroy that part of the building. But circle it at least circle it because by walking around that facility you can walk where those those terrorists walked and keep in mind what you say in making a declaration remitting the sins that's what we did around the house in Columbus Ohio where where those five co-ed students of that uh, certain uh, certain, uh, well, I forget what they call it, kind of alpha beta or whatever it yeah. is, you know what I mean. Uh, sorority. Uh, sorority. 
they were having a party and they didn't invite one of the young men of their students, fellow students, and he was jealous. What did he do? He threw gasoline. He, he blocked the doors where no one could get out. He threw gasoline on the windows and the doors and ran around lighting them. And those five kids burned to death because they couldn't get out. Others jumped, broke the window, and jumped out of the windows on the lower ground. But the five of them couldn't and burned to death. And so we couldn't go into that burned-up building, but we walked around it. And we stood in front of it and made the declaration of the remission of sins as far back as needs be to the very first sin that happened on that land of that sorority, to the very first land of uh, 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 sin that happened on the land of where those 14 were killed, to the very first sin that happened in the life of those two that were shot and killed on the highway after they did it. Uh, You go back by declaration to the very first thought, word, deed, or gesture of committing that horrible act. And uh, okay, so, so that's very important. So, you know, recently over in Paris, I believe it was, there was the um, that stadium where they had this rock concert. Yes. And, uh, mm-hmm. and you know the slaughter that occurred there. Let's say you were in Paris today, and God sends you over there um, mm-hmm. to prayer walk that area where those... Mm-hmm. Uh, people came in and, and slaughtered the people, the AK-47s. Break it down yes. for me, uh, because I am I have a difficulty uh, grasping some of this. Uh, let's say you've, you're there today. What would you do? Give me an example. I would, they wouldn't let me in there, probably. At times they do. I have gone to places where there's police ribbons, and I've asked to see the officer in charge. And I have explained to them what I'm doing and what I have been doing, what I do, and how I believe this needs to be done lest it happens again. Yes. And uh, when you do that, officers have allowed me to go into the police ribbon area, and they have, they have led me to where the blood actually flowed into the ground. Uh, I've had that favor at times, not always. There are those that just look at you and say, I'll get out of here. You know, we don't believe in that. We're busy. We don't have time for that stuff. But I have met those that, that accepted. You never know till you ask. And go there if you can and go where these people died, where they shot the people. Yes. And walk that and pray it and remitting the sins of that and the terror of it and binding that, that terroristic spirit, the Hittites in the Old Testament, is the, the one of the seven nations in Deuteronomy 7. Hittite means terror to break down by violence, confusion, and fear. And to break that Hittite spirit, because it was literally a nation, one of the seven nations God named in Deuteronomy 7, that he said they are greater and mightier than you. And you take your Strong's Exhaustive Concordance and look up the meaning of each of those seven names. And I tell you what, it is a study that is so important and so valuable of understanding of human nature and how Satan uses human nature to manifest and to bring forth his wickedness and control mankind. 
And so, yes, I would, I would ask if I could go in there. If I can't, I would walk around it. And when I close the circle where I start to the finish point of closing a circle around it, I would say, now when I stomp my foot down, I command every unclean spirit and every wicked spirit to leave these grounds and you will not inhabit them. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, through the power of the blood, body, mind, and spirit of the Lord, according to the covenant with Abraham, that every place the soles of my feet tread on, he will give it to me. I take it back in the name of Jesus as I close this circle, and I stomp my foot down. And uh, we were doing that up in uh, Nagano, Japan, one time. I'm sorry, Sano, Japan. Sano, Japan, with uh, Ron Saka, was a missionary of 30 years from Canada in Japan. He'll verify this. He was there with his church and his team, mission team. And uh, we walked a circle around, and in the Buddhist temple, they were performing an exorcism. They, They believe in casting out devils in the Buddhist religion. And they do it by fire and all that, and they cast a little bit of substance on the on the fire, and it flares up a little bit, up about a foot. And I've seen it flare up about a foot, foot and a half. And uh, the spirits are supposed to be leaving them. And uh, so what we we were walking around this Buddhist temple, and uh, when I stomped my foot down, closing the circle around in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, through the power of the shed blood, body, mind, and spirit of the Lord, I stomped my foot down. All of a sudden in that Buddhist temple, people were screaming, and flames come shooting out the front of the temple, and people come running out under the flames. Wow. Screaming. They evacuated the temple. (laughs) And... Ron Saka said, well, now, who got delivered there? (laughs) (laughs) But there's power in that. There's power in that. So walk a circle around it. Again, before you do that, put your armor on, and when you finish, claim protection against counterattacks because Satan does not want to give up easily those territories. They are strongholds for him. Do you know the the mountain and the tunnel that Diana died in? Yes, sir. If you study that mountain, I've I've walked on that mountain since then. If you study that mountain, that is where Napoleon came in, and there was a massive slaughter on that mountain. The very mountain that is tunneled through where Diana died in. Amazing. Now, brother, think about strongholds, people. Think about it. Brother Groover, okay. when, when you uh, when you command the devils, the demons, you bind them and command them to get off that property in Jesus' name, never return, do you mm-hmm. also need to use the verbiage, I break any curses on this land in the name of Jesus? Does that figure oh, in anywhere? Yes. Every oath, covenant, curse, fetish, agreement with the unfruitful works of darkness, as far back as needs be to the very first thought, word, deed, or gesture. Every thought, word, deed, oath, covenant with the unfruitful works of darkness. Yes, sorry, I I should have added that. You're right. Okay, let me ask you another question. Is it ever um, necessary to find somebody and apologize to them or ask their forgiveness for something that has occurred? 
If that's in the power of your hand, absolutely, absolutely. That can produce such power with the Lord and deliverance in the person when you do that. That is, that is part of the ministry of, and the word of reconciliation. Have you ever had to do that before? Oh, yes, I have. Oh, yes, I've had to go to people. Mm-hmm. Okay, now let me ask you one other question. What about, okay, you've remitted the sins, you've cleansed the land, you've ordered those devils off of the property in the name of Jesus, you broke the curses in the name of Jesus. What do, is there a part where you need to now bless the land so it can be fruitful and be used again? Yes, yes. Uh, follow up. You, you call out upon the Lord, and you declare, and you say, I declare peace over this land, and uh, I, I declare unity, union, and harmony, and good fellowship, and that this land will be used from this time forth for the glory of God, for we dedicate this land or this territory for the glory of God. Yeah, pronounce a, a blessing over it. Thank you. You're... Because when you went to that island, I don't know where it was. Yeah. Was it uh, Japan or Okinawa where they had the two-step adder? Um, Off from Okinawa, yes. Uh-huh. Previously, no one could even set foot on that land without fear of dying. It was unusable. They wouldn't, of, even, they wouldn't even anchor their boats or tie their boats near the side because the, say, the snakes would go into the trees to, to eat birds. They would catch birds, and if they fell into the boat and they got bit, they were dead. And so they wouldn't even anchor their boats anywhere near it where a snake could get into their boat. That's how much they feared it. But they God, tore the bridge down way before the World War II wow. because of the snakes. Amazing. But when God sent you over there, he was sending you over there to reclaim the land, wasn't he? Take that territory yes. back. And yes, and I declared farms and vegetables and fruits and homes. And uh, if you go to that island, people come there. They've come to Okinawa with me. My one brother that's been going four years with me now uh, from down in, over in Indiana uh, that's the first place he wanted to go. He's, I said to him, is there any place that you want to go that you've heard my testimony or thing? Oh, yeah, he said, the Two-Step Adder Island. <laughs> and so he took pictures and pictures, and uh, he, was, he was on fire when we left that island. Brother he Gruber, was on fire. Uh, what's next on your prayer walking itinerary? Are you going back to Okinawa? Is that right? Yes, I go to Okinawa on the 6th of January. I'll be going, and uh, I'll be there, and then I go to Taiwan. Um, yeah, Taiwan. I'm sorry, I go back to uh, Osaka to the seminary the first part of, uh, of March, first seven days of March, and then I go to Taiwan, and then Singapore and Malaysia, and then, uh, then back home. Uh, in, uh, on the 6th of April. Two short bonus to... questions. Uh, have you ever been to the island of Java? No, I haven't. Uh, I haven't. I, I did cover some South American islands uh, in December and January this year, last year and this year. Uh, I went to the Mayan ruins at the end of December, walked and prayed some of the Mayan ruins. And now there's a team going to walk and pray more of them now that are actually over there right now uh, because of that. And uh, then I went into Belize and Honduras and walked and prayed. 
And uh, so those are the South American countries, Mexico, Belize, and Honduras. Uh, that's the only next South American countries I've been in. Java, I... No, I haven't been to Java. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jolly, Java and, and, and uh, Bali, uh, some of them have called that the Island of Devils. Um, oh. Do you... Uh, do you believe God is going to open up the door for one day you to get into North Korea? I'm believing for it. I, I believe he didn't give me that vision for nothing. Praise God. I'm and, believing for it. I am definitely still believing for it and open to the Lord. To I always leave time open and available to go if he speaks to me. And... Uh, so only the Lord knows. I, I, I really want to go and speak to the leader of North Korea. Kim Brother Chang-un. Henry, how can a person support your ministry um, today tuning in? And uh, people are sending love to you from around the world. Sister Katie in South Africa. We've got Germany tuning in, England, Canada, Hallelujah. America. Um, well, praise the Lord. Well, we have books. We have prayer walking books. Uh, we don't have them in German, but we have them in Portuguese. And we have them in Chinese and English now. And I think they're published in Russia now, but I haven't heard yet that they're printing. Uh, But uh, we have them in those languages, Portuguese and uh, and in Latin. Actually, in Latin, I think we have some Latin books here, but uh, they printed them in Italy. And in Rome, it, they've printed books. I haven't heard from them in some time now, but uh, uh, and in Mandarin Chinese and English, of course. So, if a person would uh, like to uh, support the ministry, they can order materials. They can order them through joyfulsoundministries.com. Just punch in Henry Gruber, G R U V is in Victor E R. There'll be a lot of websites come up if you just punch my name in. But if you go joyfulsoundministries.com, uh, I'll come up, they'll come up, and they then just push publications, and it's a list of materials that are available, and uh, you can punch that in, and you can make a donation for those materials through PayPal, PayPal, and uh, we don't put a price on our materials, it's between you and the Lord what you donate for them. We ask that you respect the cost that it is for publishing, printing, and sending out and mailing to you, but uh, we'd appreciate it if you would support the ministry. Uh, we are totally by faith. If Once you order, you will not be uh, saturated with letters uh, asking for donations. I, we don't do that. And my conviction, I don't do that. If I have a need, I go into my closet, I shut the door behind me and pray to the Father in secret and believe that he will, re- he will reward me openly. And that's the way we work. We, we say we live by faith, and so we, we do the ministry by faith. Brother Henry, uh, in closing, I want to encourage you to write a booklet or a book called The Prayer Walker's Checklist, a how-to manual for the prayer walker. Mm, I want you to think about that and pray about that because we need some more instruction and you're the man to go to because God has given you this ministry. You've been prayer walking for how many years now? 50 years? 54 years now I've entered into this time. I started in 1961, the first Saturday of 1961. (laughs) 
Should the Lord Jesus tarry, do you believe he is calling the people out there tuning in around the world to get into to this area of ministry and begin to prayer walk um, the land? I believe every Christian has, <clears throat> has a responsibility to do that uh, and can do it. And uh, if they will just do it, they will see. I mean, Japan, the churches are growing. Those that are prayer walking, their churches are growing. And uh, uh, over in, in Taiwan now, there's such an excitement about prayer walking that it's just awesome. It is just totally awesome. And uh, we're seeing miracles happen there. I mean, they had a drought in northern Taiwan that was devastating. I mean, the ground was dusty. Wow. And uh, we walked and prayed it, and the place we prayed was where Shanghai Shek fought the big battle. Wow. And a lot of innocent blood flowed in the ground there. And uh, we prayed that area, and there's a university on that mountain. And there were suicides every week in that university. They were being plagued with suicides. And we walked and prayed that, and there's been uh, no suicides since. And you know the, the place of the mosquitoes I talked about earlier. Did I yes. tell you that George called me and said that that plague is over, that not another person has been dying now? From those mosquitoes, they're, they're, the plague is done. He told me that last Friday night, called Praise me God. and wanted me to know that that plague is over. That nobody's died from those mosquitoes now since we prayed it. And uh, when we prayed that mountain and that university, there have been no suicides in that university since. Taking authority over that covenant with death and uh, went down into the valley there below that university and prayed what they call Silicon Valley of Taiwan, where all the research, development, and electronic companies are. We then went and prayed around the city office of the mayor's office, and here's going the circle again. And when we went and did the circle, remitting the sins of whatever came to us that was taking place in that city in northern Taiwan, we, we only got about 50 yards from finishing the circle when all of a sudden black car, clouds come rolling in. And uh, while we were praying over the, the number one gate to that city, the ancient gate, I looked up. It was a clear sky, not a cloud in the sky, and a, a literally a circle. You ever heard of a sun dog? No, sir. Sun dogs appear in the Arctic. They're like a rainbow in the sky in a blotch, not in a, an arch. Wow. All of a sudden, I look up and I said, look, rain is on the way. There was a sun dog circle totally around the sun. Amazing. Totally around the sun. And I said, rain is coming. That's moisture. I grew up in the desert. That's moisture coming in quickly. We're going to get rain. This curse of drought is broken in the name of Jesus. And before we finish praying, the mayor's, the city hall, buckets of rain were falling. We had to run into the city hall and walk the long hallway. And then I went out the front in the rain and put my foot down to finish the circle out there where we had literally started in our prayer. And then we went up and praying over the mayor's office on the second floor. He was out. And the, his assistant, the city manager, came out and asked what we were doing. We explained to him, he said, then you are the people that broke the drought off of this area. 
And we said we didn't. Jesus did, but we broke the curse that has caused the drought. And he started giving us his cards, and I've got one of his cards. Before we got back to the church where we all gathered and organized from, the mayor had called and wanted, wanted the pastors to come and wanted to thank them personally for praying and breaking the curse off of that region. So that's another testimony that took place in Taiwan. So this is the power we have if we'll just manifest it. Brother Henry, this has to be one of the greatest broadcasts we've ever done. I've got a title for you today. What do you think about this? We'll call this show, There is Nothing to Fear. Enter the battleground by faith and take authority over the covenant of death in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, <laughs> amen. I Brother, agree with that. Brother Groover, uh, when will we be back um, in country, do you think, from this next voyage? Yeah, sometime in April, I hope, or May, okay? Okay, and we'll be contacting you, reaching out in April, May. Uh, would you like to close it out in prayer today? Absolutely. Well, precious Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for the wisdom and the understanding for each one that has been listening today. Bless them, encourage them, be with them, Lord. Protect the word that has been planted into their hearts, that it be in good ground, that it will bring forth an abundance of fruit after its kind. And Father, we declare the blood, the body, the mind, and the spirit of the Lord over each one that has heard over this program and everywhere it has gone or will go. In ones that's been recorded, that every time it's played, we claim your covering over it and over those that will hear, that they will go and be doers of the word and not hearers only. And Father, that it will bring forth an abundance of harvest all over the world, even you dear people in Germany. Walk around these apartment complexes and these places where you're bringing in all the immigrants from Syria and from Iraq. Walk around them and bind that spirit of terrorism and bind it and ask the Lord to bring these people to Jesus. Remit their sins and release the goodness of God over these places. Each country where they're bringing in these, these immigrants, walk and pray those camps and those areas. Evangelize. These are a fearful people. They're a broken people. And it's time to evangelize because they'll be careful. They won't be violent toward you because they're just being accepted in the country. So, Lord, I pray that you'll raise up a mighty army of, of, of soldiers of evangelism to evangelize these Muslim people as they come out of these areas of danger. And, Lord, I pray that you'll bless this program and bless my brother. Oh, Lamb of God, just bless Brother Davis and, and this work and the ministry of Omega Man. Bless it abundantly. Let every need be met and let the finances flourish in you, Lord that they will lack no good thing but to just love and continue loving one another. Bless the future programs and give him good people, Lord, to speak that will continue to minister to the people around the world. Bless them, we pray, in every nation that this goes into. Bless those nations, Lord, and bring many precious souls into the kingdom in each of them as a result of it. In Jesus' name we ask it, and we thank you for it. Amen, 
Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you, Brother Henry. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this awesome opportunity. We thank you, Lord, for Brother Henry Groover. Thank you for everybody that is tuned in. Lord God, in Jesus' name, bless Brother Groover and his family. We ask that you would give him traveling mercies. Loose your warrior angel bodyguards to surround him everywhere he goes. I ask God, in the name of Jesus, that you would give him more divine appointments. Open up places, yeah. God, that have been shut until now. Lord God, yes, expand Lord. his territories and his tent pegs. Bless his health. Bless his finances, God. Give him favor everywhere he goes. In the mighty name of Jesus, we also ask, God, that an open door for North Korea be made where Brother Groover can go in and even meet with the, the premier there. Yes, Lord. God, we're believing that that is going to come to pass, too. And that Brother yes. Groover can even get into the underground church in China. Lord God, bless yes. him. Expand his ministry. We just plead the blood of Jesus over you and your family, my brother. And we bind up and rebuke every spirit of backlash, retaliation, revenge, retribution, hindrance, or delay that would come against you and your family and your ministry or against any of us. In the name of Jesus, God, give him favor. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Amen, amen. Brother Groover. You're a warrior. You went three hours with us today. I tell you, I'm blessed, man. I love and appreciate oh, you. Your hearts. And um, I didn't realize it was that long, <laughs> brother. I would have taken you for twelve hours, but we don't want to burn you out today. <laughs> I better save a little bit of my voice, huh? <laughs> Listen, it was a it was a real it was a real gift for you to come on well, today. We love and appreciate to you, you all, and uh, hope to hear from you and. Uh, May the Lord just bless you and be with you, and uh, may all of you out there, may the, the Christmas season be very precious and dear to you, and may 2016 bring you some of the most awesome memories such as you have never known. In Jesus' name, amen. I receive that in the name of Jesus. Brother Groover, one last thing. Uh, continue to record and write. Looking forward to more that's coming from your ministry. God bless you, my brother. Thank you, thank you, thank you, brother. Okay. We'll see you in very, April or very May. Very, good. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye now. <laughs> Everybody? Well, I just got my Christmas present. How about you? <laughs> thank you, Jesus. That has to be one of the best programs we've ever done. I thank God for this opportunity. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know... I was going down the road of just last week. Was it earlier this week? I think it was Monday. And Brother Henry Gruber uh, came on my heart, and I said, you know what? I wonder if he's back. I knew he was going to be back sometime around the holidays. And you know what? We got him at the right time. That was of God. God put it together because he's getting ready to go out to Arizona, and then on in a few weeks uh, to Okinawa. We would have missed him. But God worked it all out. Praise the Lord Jesus. And each one of these programs builds on the, the past programs. We get more and more information on prayer walking. I want to encourage you to go through it. Mine it. There's gold in every one of these programs. Take notes. Begin to use it. Ask God to continue to give out the revelation on prayer walking to us. And uh, I'm excited uh, about what is ahead. We're going to have him back on in probably April or May. Make myself a note. April and May. Okay. Um, I'm going to take an hour break. We're going to come back. We've got a marathon to run for you today. Seven more shows. Here's what's coming up next. We're going to do uh, Sam Masreku from Omega Man London at uh, 3 Eastern, 8 London, 9 
Europe. Emmon Overton will be on today at 5 Eastern. We're going to have Pastor William Loud, the Elijah Challenge. He's going to be doing a two-hour video PowerPoint presentation on the healing ministry, how to heal the sick in Jesus' name. Part two, we're going to have Pastor Bill French, deliverance minister from Hemet, California, at 8. Wow. We just got started. I'm looking at the list. 9 o'clock, we've got Apostle Anthony and Ruth Flowers talking about marriage and relationships. Mel Novak from 10 to midnight. With this, uh, and then at midnight Eastern, 9 Pacific, we're going to have Benjamin Baruch with, Baruch with Jeffrey Nyquist. Now you know why I say, thank God it's Friday when Friday comes along. <laughs> but I do have an hour break. I'm going to uh, go grab a little cup of coffee. I'm back on coffee. Just a little bit, though. I went on like a coffee fast for like six weeks, two months. I don't know. Little Dunkin' Donuts this is good every once in a while. Um, then we're going to be back, and um, I've got to get all these audios posted for you. I've almost got them all cut through yesterday. Got about halfway through yesterday's shows. We had eight yesterday. So I'm going to try to get them posted throughout the day on Blog Talk and SoundCloud to try to get us caught up. So I want to thank you for, uh, for tuning in today. And it's been an early day, and it's going to be a long day, but it's going to be a good one. Amen? All these programs are free. They'll go up on SoundCloud, iTunes, and also Blog Talk Radio. So be sure and help yourself. Also, don't forget, we've got a YouTube channel. There's four ways you can listen. YouTube, MixLR, Blog Talk Radio, and Telephone. So if one system goes down, jump to the others. And uh, some may require more bandwidth, and you don't have it. Go to um, to the lower bandwidth feed, uh, Blog Talk or YouTube. MixLR is the place, though, if you want to get the premium sound for all the shows. And uh, I want to say hello to uh, Suncastle, Peter. We've got Gail tuning in today, Katie, Keith, Dave LeBlanc, Dandelion in Germany. We've got Janine in Australia. Thank you, Janine. Put your name there. We've got Nana-san, Domo Arigato, Ohio Gazimus. We've got Gary McGough, we've got Samantha, Arginus DeShaps, David, Evangelist Hernandez from Mexico, originally. Tisa, we've got Lupita in California. We've got Jeremy, Juliet, Angelica, Edward, Julie, C. Bakula, Victoria, God bless you. Jeremy, and others tuning in out there that I can't see your name. Why don't you um, set up a free account if you'd like to with MixLR and come on in and choose a, uh, a name and say hello to people. Get a little chat room running every show. Ah, now I can take a breath. That was awesome. That was awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I love Brother Henry. He's so awesome. Humble man. You can go find a lot more stuff from him on YouTube because he's at a lot of different places, and thank God many of them record. So you'll get something unique each time he speaks. He has a lot to tell. Go check out some of that on YouTube. Go to henrygroover.com. I encourage everybody to support his ministry, whatever you can afford. $5 a month, $10, whatever you can afford. You'll get a piece of the fruit from these uh, missions that he's going on worldwide. You help send them, God will bless you. So henrygroover.com or joyfulsoundministries.com, I think is the other website. They point to the same place. He also has a couple booklets over there, books, and uh, a number of CDs over there. So check them out. Okay. Well, folks, we'll see you back in one hour with Sam Mazarecki. We're going to have open lines for deliverance uh, throughout the course of the day. Um, and don't forget, a special YouTube PowerPoint. That's going to be really cool. At uh, From 6 to 8 with William Lau from the Elijah Challenge. 
talking about the healing ministry. Amen. Tell a friend about these programs and don't forget to free to subscribe for free to our YouTube channel. Um, thank God for that as well. Father God, in the name of Jesus, thank you for everybody tuned in. We just plead the blood of Jesus over everyone over this day. We bind up and rebuke every demonic spirit that would come against any of us today. In the name of Jesus, we place those demons in the judgment of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we loose the angels of God to begin to attack those devils and push them back and break their legs while they're doing it. In the mighty name of Jesus, carry those demons off to where the Lord Jesus wants him to go. Lord God, put a wall fire around us as a hedge of protection from Zechariah 2 and 5. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. God, you know that there's people out there right now have a special need, financial need. Maybe they need a to determine where they're going to live next or looking for a job, looking for looking for a help meet, whatever the situation is, God, we ask that you would meet that need today. Bless them, Lord. Brought your goodness, mercy, and grace on them. Meet their need in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, I'm signing out. See you all back in an hour. God bless you all. Thank you for tuning in. Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved, cast out demons, and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com. You may also donate by sending check or money order to 9030 West Sahara Avenue, Suite 665, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89117. We thank you.